Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast, featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. And we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt. I'm Aaron Castro. You can find me on Twitter at the Strobro. We've got the Poach. Uh, you can find him on Twitter at Poach Rugby and Craig Gradelli in New York uh, at American RFC on Twitter. Um, he may write for us. He may not. He will write for himself, I think, or he's going to write for the Runner Sports again. Um, I think he's. I don't know. Um, what is Craig? Since well, you're a contributor, you're a contributor, not an employee. I mean, I don't think any of us yeah. are employees. I ain't paying anyone any money. So wait, you mean there's no paycheck in the <laughs> Yeah, hold on a second, Aaron. I, I would say that I went on to um, I went on to our ad, um, our Google Ads to see what kind of how much money we had, and I, I know that uh, at least in the in the solicitation for writers uh, at the Runner Sports, they say they pay people, and I know how much we have made. Um, from our Google ad service. And so if you're, if you want our prospectively wanting to sponsor your full of dirt, um, you know, uh, we get good numbers. Uh, If you want to see a sponsorship prospectus uh, as far as online listening versus, and we will give you our competitors listens because we have access to that because everyone actually is pretty open about it. But um, if you want to sponsor your full of dirt, uh, let us know because we would like to uh, pump up the gospel of your brand or service or whatever um, so that we can fund this uh, rugby shebang. Um, But yeah, I I went on there to see if we made some money because we had put out some good content the last couple weeks online. And uh, man, I will tell you that online ads do do not pay the bills. Yeah, no, it, it, it's almost like marketing your, if you're a musician, it's almost like marketing exclusively on Spotify. You, you might get 10 million, you know, 10 million streams, but you're only going to make about 10 cents because of it. So, um, yeah, that's um, up. 10 million listens. So, uh, congratulations. yeah, yeah. So, uh, w- with that, uh, there's, there's been a lot of things happening, um, since we took a break for Christmas. And by that, uh, there were some players signing. We're not really going to touch on that because um, I don't have those in front of me. Um, but there was some rugby played uh, this week uh, with uh, at least, well, three MLR teams took to the pitch uh, when it comes to uh, who they were. The first one we'll talk about uh, is the preseason round robin that was held at the Little Q in, uh, in San Diego. Uh, the first game, both of these were, there were four teams at the round robin at the little Q. Uh, it was San Diego Legion on back, Old Mission Bay Athletic Club, and uh, Belmont Shore and the San Diego Old Aztecs. Uh, so all of these games were 30-minute training games. The two games that uh, San Diego Legion played uh, was a 45-0 thumping, and I mean 45 points in a 30 minute window is a lot of the old mission Bay athletic club and a 24 to zero of Belmont shore going over some of the notes that we had in from a Reddit user. Uh, 
Some interesting stuff to see. Luke Burton uh, played fly half for both games. Uh, So I think we'll probably be seeing a lot of him. The weird one for me, the weird note for me really was, uh, was Nate Augsburger playing fullback. Um, If anyone, how many positions is that guy going to play? If anyone from Minnesota knows, like from back in the day knows if he played fullback, please write the show because I, wow. um, uh, That's a new one for me, honestly. I mean, it's. Yeah. It, I mean, it's definitely not the first time that you know players have been uh, switched around to odd positions. Um, you know, for the for the Houston SaberCats last year, um, after Paul Emmerich took over for the outgoing Justin Fitzpatrick, he made a, he made a few changes. He he even put uh, Zach Pan- Pangelin in, who's who's the normal uh, fifteen for the Houston SaberCats. He put him in at nine. I believe he pushed Sam Windsor back to eleven or twelve. Uh, even I think, outside, uh, of Windsor was playing twelve. Yeah, so 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 he he put uh, Windsor back into center, um, and he gave it. What it wasn't Kieran Farmer the start. It was yeah. He he put somebody else. In, he put somebody else in at fly, and lo and behold, Houston went on that four game win streak uh, because of this mixing and matching. So I, I mean, I think it's pretty healthy for teams to you know at, at least test the waters with seeing how players fit in other uh, parts of the field. Because obviously, by the time you're a professional, you should know where you're comfortable at, but it's definitely, you know, less, uh, it's definitely not a bad thing, at least in preseason fixtures to see, you know, what's the best possible combination we can get out of this player and his talents. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you have a super veteran back three player. It's a preseason, not even a full 80 minute contest. I I wouldn't make too much of that. Um, you know, let's see if he's playing fullback in any meaningful preseason action for now. I assume it's just, you know, whatever the convenient roster, is available for whatever the coach wants to see at this stage. I mean, you know, also being a, being a fullback is the best position in rugby. So he probably just wanted, you know, take in a little bit of that glory that comes with standing, you know, at that part of the all field. The backs and- are the same. <laughs> a, a, a lot of these guys, I mean, it, it was definitely uh, a roster just to get some guys a hit time. Uh, Devereaux Ferris started at nine, which, uh, you know, I think this is, I, I would say my one criticism here of Hoadley is as far as I know, Connor Kearns is not back. And they also sent uh, originally um, Nick Boyer off to Austin, who, but he somehow landed with uh, Glendale. And it's like, if you were going to convert one of Nate Augsburger and Nick Boyer to a fullback, it would have been Nick Boyer, who was also a fly half. Yeah. That's just, that's just my I mean, Nate, Nate had such a good year at nine last year. I, I can't imagine that they're, First option plan is to convert. Nate I, to I mean, if that is, and Devereaux is somehow beating Nate out. I mean, they didn't re-sign Devereaux Ferris for the second season of MLR, and he played club rugby last year. So I don't know what's going on there. There better be another fly half, another scrum half taking over. Uh, if if you're making uh, Nate uh, Nate go to. Uh, you know, reserve fullback because they have other options at fullback. And I don't see like a guy like Nate, uh, Dylan Owdsley, uh, getting near as much time, especially since he's coming off of an injury, a big time knee injury. When you have guys like Mononu playing 12. Well, also, um, there, there does happen to be this guy who has a history with San Diego Legion and the position of fullback. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. His name is Mikey Teo. Um, uh, so, what, so, you, so you got him. So you got him. 
better now. Well, well, so, so you, so Mikey Teo is fullback, uh, also a wing type guy. Uh, he is going to be playing full time with the sevens, so we don't know what we'll see his availability is with the Legion, but um, still. Like a more dynamic, like the athlete that plays fullback, you've got him. But then the difference is, I think, if you take Luke Burton and he becomes the starting 10, well, Johan Peterson, Joe Peterson, um, was playing basically fullback in defense uh, all season last year while he played fly half. So then you put, you know, uh, the old field general in the back and, and it's a lot different. Like uh, Joe Peterson's, I think 35. Mm-hmm. Um, although he plays like he's 18 sometimes, well, um, especially in defense. Well, in, in that, in that regard though, um, you could, you, you kind of touched on it. The, the fullback position, it's a very rotational position. Um, you know, Often you guys you have guys like on the wing and it's in the back line in general, depending on how the defense is shifting, who might have to uh, like rotate back and take that spot. So it's not it's not as if it's a, it's a position that is, you know, incredibly skill oriented, um, like, you know, like, like a prop, like a, like a proper a hooker would be or even even a lock. It's. It, 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 it takes a lot of athleticism. It takes a lot of forwards. I mean, I, I, I like you're just you're just feeding me, man. Like you're telling me this back isn't a skill position. I was like, yes. well, hold on, hold on, hold on. So, but the fullback position, it takes a lot of field awareness. It takes a lot of athleticism. It takes a lot of stamina to play things that forwards, unfortunately, are not exactly known for. Those things are overrated. Um, uh, have you stamina? Yeah. Have, oh, have you seen Dean Muir? Uh, he kicks. Have you seen Peter Malcolm? He's also kicked, and I think Pat O'Toole has also kicked I've, from the hip. I've, I've, I've so, seen Pat kick at practice before. So uh, he's when, when I was with Houston. Yeah, uh, no, he's pretty good. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I can't kick from the hand. We're shit. But I've saw like. A ton of these dudes in MLR last season. Oh, also Dylan Fawcett, the pusher, he kicks from the hand. What? Are, I mean, we hook. There's so many hookers in this league that have mad skills. So, you no. Know if if you told me Eric Howard could nail a, like like a 50 meter conversion, I would believe you because that dude can literally do everything. No. Like, Eric uh, unfortunately, Eric uh, yeah, Howard. unfortunately, Ray Parkwell, you got to pass that torch of greatest Canadian hooker. Because uh, yeah, Eric, Eric Howard's coming. Ooh. 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 Short-lived torch. Uh, uh, I mean, I agree with Liam in general. I mean, it, it's it a lot of the value of fullback of experience. Something that Nate has again. It's a preseason fixture. I, I don't read too much into this. It's, it's a preseason. It's a preseason fixture, but they were both preseason fixtures to really knock the cobwebs off. Um, because you had a bunch of guys that didn't even play. Um, it, it's just an kind of a weird thing to see, especially with how well Nate played at nine. Um, moving on to the other match uh, was Nola versus ATL. So the the format that I thought they were going to play is not the format they did play, but the only t- the format I watched was the format I thought was going to happen, um, which is it, originally it was explained to me it was going to be a 40-minute game simulation half, uh, and then three 20-minute periods uh, that had unlimited interchanges where you just get film um, on guys playing uh, against you know live opposition, and it ended up being a 40-minute half, a 20-minute like quarter, and then a 40-minute half, and there's 100 minutes of free rugby 
for you to watch if you mm-hmm. have not seen it um, on the Rugby Atlanta Facebook page. So go check that out. Um, that's pretty cool. And um, kudos. Well, well, when it when it comes to this, uh, I know that the you you get you got to see a lot of the depth from um, from Nola. Uh, they and the reason why the back half of the scrimmage uh, was the way it was is both teams wanted to play a lot of guys. Uh, New Orleans took thirty seven uh, players to Atlanta. Who, um, who, put, who put that airline bill is what I was <laughs> that's, that's all. Yeah, who, who wrote that line of news? Did they get their own plane? Like, that, that is a lot of drive from New Orleans. Um, well, let's go Atlanta from no. I'm going to guess that's like six hours and they probably took a bus. Um, New Orleans to Atlanta, no, that's got to be more than six hours, man. It it, 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 um, it, it it took me, I'm pretty sure, to get from so, Houston – Get the from Houston to Chattanooga was like so was it's like 10 supposed hours. to be so it's 469 miles and it's supposed to be six hours 41 minutes. Um, if you put guys on a bus, it's get that's probably an eight hour, nine hour drive. Um, whether it's on a bus or on, on a bunch of vans, so I mean, same distance as New York to Buffalo. Uh, I mean, New York City to Buffalo. I'm, I have no idea, but I would guess they bus if, if I were running that team, they'd be busing out. Oh, yeah, I, I would. I would probably hire a charter and and do it that way. I mean, because also like nobody wants to go to the Atlanta airport either. I think you you would spend nine hours just getting out of the terminal. Just just remember that uh, if you're you're going to use, if you're going to take a bus from New York city to Buffalo, make sure your rally point is, uh, make sure your rally point is not um, midtown Manhattan because you might get hit. By your yeah, bus might get passenger vehicle, <laughs> <laughs> and this is—I remember like talking about it last year. And the reason why we were kind of making fun of it was because Matt McCarthy was kind of making fun of it because I think he was on the bus and he was going to go cover the game in Buffalo, and he was like making fun of the situation. And we there were no details about why, like they weren't going anywhere. We didn't find out that. You you know the bus got hit and was basically like totaled uh, by this random driver in in Midtown Manhattan, which which sucks um, because that that game got canceled. Um, yeah, Adrian, I, I think that is um, roughly in a bus. It, it's probably about nine hours. So, um, but uh, I saw that comment though. Our technology is really on the upswing around I mean, here. Comes that longer than ten seconds. So yeah. From the uh, the president of I think it's called the Go Gold Fan Club, Go Gold Supporters Club. They're called Go Gold. Um, Adrian's a, a good supporter of EOD as well. Uh, Spelled in the traditional, you know, French Creole way. You know, it's G U E A X or whatever it is. Not not G O G U E A X. He's also <laughs> father to many police canines who I very much enjoy seeing on Facebook. Adrian, keep it up. <laughs> um, but uh, looking, at the, I'll give you the rundown of of how this game went. It was uh, it, I don't know. It was uh, I, I, we we talk a lot about what these teams look like, and I, I really have said I've enjoyed what Atlanta has put together. Ross, I believe in their coaching team. I 
I got what I wanted out of Atlanta. I didn't really get what I wanted out of Nola in that in that half. I wanted to see more, especially with uh, just the way this this thing was going. However, they did find their life much like the uh, much like the, the the Chiefs found their life today. Um, later on, <laughs> later on. <laughs> but uh, so the, the twenty four to nothing. Texans. The interesting 24. thing is, there's a we've had a debate on who the other Eagles nine is going to be because Ruben DeHaas is likely going to be a lockdown starter for a long time, and um, with Nick Boyer going to Glendale, if he starts, he's probably if he starts for Glendale, his hand is going to be up. But Duncan Van Schalkwick has has made the full conversion uh, from fly half to scrum half. Uh, uh, if anyone followed his college career, he was one of the best fly halves in the U.S. going on like three and a half seasons of college rugby. So to see him move to fly half uh, is very interesting. And I guess some some people make We're the joke. Scrum. Yeah, he's a scrum half now. So, so a bunch of people make the joke that uh, he's also um, – that we just import our tens anyway, so it really doesn't matter. Um, I was like, well, I, I guess it's, it's kind of true. We, we haven't really uh, started a domestically raised fly half in a while. Uh, Will Hooley uh, is, you know, straight up like English and Odd McGinty is straight up like Irish. Mm -hmm. And uh, Will McGee is, is very American, although he has a, a an English accent because he mm -hmm. grew up there. Um, but yeah, uh, <sighs> you know, un unfortunately, Kieran Farmer has not yet got the amount of playing time needed to ma make the transition onto the national team. But believe me, two or three years, that will be one of our best so, uh, homegrown domestically, uh, you know, trained fly halves. But yeah, so it will be interesting to see Duncan play uh, this year for rugby ATL. And I thought he had really good ball speed, really good distribution uh, today. Um, uh, they, First thing that happened was a Nola gold penalty. Fitala Talapusi was playing fly half uh, and they kicked for sticks and they went up three to zero. And then Austin White uh, scored a try pretty much like in rapid succession right after that. And uh, then Fitala Talapusi, he was two for two uh, for both conversions and penalties today. So he had a total of 10 points from the boot. And then uh, Johan Momsen. Uh, a lock who's I think he's on loan to Atlanta from the Greekas in the Curry Cup. He's on loan from somebody, but he's a big boy. And he he ran over like three gold defenders. And then after shortly after that, the uh the gold uh came to life and Eric Howard off a short line out throw that he threw, of course, um rumbled in. I think it was a mall, although I didn't really see it. It was kind of weird. It was it, it, it was a mall. So uh Nola was able to score off two malls, actually. Um, and okay, so yeah. wait, so cons con Foley scored off a mall, yes, really nice. Okay, um, yeah, so the the next uh, and after Eric Howard's score, uh, Vitala Talapusi got a penalty and it was seven to 20, and then con Foley a bit after that off a mall, as you said, uh, scored. And this was funny, um, guy. Whoever guys on the broadcast, Con and Bernard Foley. Are oh, so, Foley. sorry, sorry. Looking at my notes now, Con Foley uh, scored out of a lineout. So it was okay. All yeah, right, got it. So it was so like I, I, I think I think it was that kind of a, yeah, like yeah, a, like, a, a cluster. Makes, yeah, yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah, it's on tap and move off the lineout. That that makes more sense. See, and, that, uh, that that's the benefit of taking notes during a game and not yeah, just keeping it and, in the noodle. 
So, but, and then, you know, uh, it was pretty much a lot of back and forth. And uh, I think they played like five or six extra minutes uh, because a bunch of penalties kept being made. Oh, it, it was, see, that was the big thing about this game is that it was unforced penalties just due to handling errors, just bad passes inside of tight windows, really bad attempts at offloads. But another big thing was guys fumbling the ball after just going into contact. And those are the worst kind of knock-ons because it's really just fundamentals, keeping the ball, you know. Nice. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. I saw that, by the way, Adrian. Congratulations to, uh, to your canine doggos. Absolutely loving it. But yeah, th- there was there wasn't a um, a big degree of consistency, especially in the first forty minute half and whatever you want to call that twenty minute period in the middle. Um, there still seemed to be a lot of rust on the palms of a lot of guys. It wasn't until that third um, period half I don't even know what to call it anymore uh, that Nola actually kind of uh, came to life in the passing game. You could tell that just you know having two previous seasons together as a squad, they had a, l- a little bit more cohesion. ATL, they weren't exactly consistent in the, in their attack, but they were just effective enough in in a lot of in a lot of different spots. And Nola, both both teams handed each handed one another plenty of opportunities to win the game. The fact that Nola didn't actually come back in those last few minutes is absolutely crazy to me, especially considering they had the ball inside the five meter on not just one but two occasions um, in in the in the final minutes. But and again, that was ruined by a not by a knock on penalty, which. Should have just been a walk and try. I, I I can't exactly remember who the who the player was, but you could hear the collective groan from uh, down in New Orleans when it happened. So, so that that really wraps up our preseason action this week. Uh, next week, there's a lot more going on. Um, and you know, hey, so I think you told me you guys don't play games in the winter, but you guys are playing the the Jacks are playing the. New England, the, the, the independence, independence. So, independence. so I actually it, like that name. That's actually pretty cool. Um, yeah. maybe, maybe Nerfu should, or somebody should trademark that and build sort of a feeder kind of like club system that brings everyone up. That would be cool. Um, De- definitely would be a good idea, but, um, yeah. So the independents are being headed up by the, uh, the head coach of the, of the Boston Wolfhounds, um, I usually know this guy's name off the top of my head, but because I have a camera in front of my face, of course I can't think of it. Um, yeah, so it's it's uh, it's collectively eight different clubs. Although I I've heard that it, that it could possibly be more um, he- heading into the game nice. uh, from from around the Massachusetts and New England area. Um, I, I believe there's one or two players from um, from from the North Shore RFC, which is my home area. Obviously, some players from Mystic, uh, the Boston Wolfhounds, um, even as far as uh, like Worcester, Maine, New Hampshire. Um, nice. a, a, yeah, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot of really good rugby players, um, from, from around here in new England, just trying to get some time in front of coach Smith, um, in front of, uh, Alex. Snow rugby, <laughs> snow yep. rugby. Woo, woo. It was 70 degrees here today. What are oh, you yeah, talking yeah, about? Yeah, as, oh Dude, yeah. I saw it was, like it was, new England was random, like was very much like El Paso today, or I guess not even just new England, but the Northeast, like up from New York. Yeah. And meanwhile, um, it was snowing down in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> that's wild but, yeah uh, the, the world is yeah. weird at the moment man and then craig uh you guys have a preseason fixture uh right this weekend the the new zealand new new zealand right uh you're the, ron burgundy the new york barbarians versus yeah. i didn't i haven't actually seen a confirmed schedule for but they definitely have been 
uh, seeking players for a New York Barbarian side to pretend to face Rooney. I, I had heard this week, this coming weekend. I have not yet seen that timing confirmed, but I, I think if it doesn't happen this weekend, it's going to happen, um, which will be cool. Be, you know, a bunch of people from local teams. Uh, I know my you know, New York Rugby Club, my club that I'm affiliated with, um, yeah, was asked if they had any interest from any of their G2 players. I think you'll get a good mix of people across the uh, the Empire GU area for that. It should be fun. So, um, get some Gotham I, I get, players in there, I, baby. I, we report. I, I guess after we cover the MLR stuff, we report. Uh, we, we, as an organization, I would say I fired off some like images and stuff. We kind of reported on some USAR stuff, which we'll touch on later in the show. If if you haven't been paying attention. Um, check out our social um, on Twitter and Facebook specifically. I did not share the image of the letter on Instagram. Um, and you can kind of read up on that and we'll, we'll touch a little bit on that. Um, but so next week, uh, a lot more teams are going to be in preseason action on, I think, what is it? So that's the new, the new England team and the New York team. I don't know who, I don't, the Free Jacks actually have two uh, two straight weeks uh, lined up. So January 18th and January 24th, uh, the, the New England Free Jacks will be playing preseason fixtures against the Independents. I think so, Toronto fly. I think Toronto flies to Vegas this week, and then Atlanta is also in Vegas this weekend as well. I believe, uh, if I have that correctly, and then they will play. There will be some type of game against Toronto and someone else this weekend. And um, it might also, not be a rugby game. It might, it might just be darts or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And Utah, I think Utah's involved in that like massive training camp thing. I need to check with them, but they all also have a preseason fixture as well. And, uh, but the defending champions play the Vancouver Island Crimson Tide uh, this next week. Uh it is their second annual kind of match. Uh, it was it would have been the third, but uh, with the way admin stuff worked uh, in season one with insurance and not being a sanctioned league at the time and needing to be a travel, it, all sorts of stuff. It just things didn't work, and the Seattle the, really did not have the best luck when it came to international laws oh, and law there, enforcement. There, there was, there was, there was all sorts of crap that just has they, they had not one but two coaches, I'm pretty sure, lost yeah, to, it was, lost it was, to visa it was issues. Two, it was two, two years in a row. It was crazy. But the the second annual uh, game against the Vancouver Island Crimson Tide, if you look at that roster, there's a bunch of there's a guy who's on an MLR contract from San Diego whose visa hasn't been approved yet, Josh Teal, um, a Canadian international as well. He will be joining uh, San Diego pretty shortly, but he's on that roster. Then you have another Canadian international and Kainoa Lloyd, who was not brought back by the arrows, but uh, returned to James Bay and has been, you know, made it through selection uh, to the Vancouver Island tide. So you will see some guys on that roster that possibly could be injury replacements for guys in MLR. Because getting Canadian species is easier than getting a South African midseason, unless you were working on it ten months ago. I mean, not gonna lie, you could also just hop across the border and play for a rugby team and claim you're on vacation. I'm not not saying I have ever heard of any rugby players doing that, of course. 
Mm-hmm. Um, while we were not um, here last week, uh, the the herd played the Austin Huns. I think next week the herd are supposed to play the Austin Blacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't. I don't have that. Com- is it on their Instagram? Because they did publish it, it. it. It is, and I did have it written down somewhere, but then I deleted it to make room for the article that I'm writing. So, so um, I, I, but I believe it's the next three weeks uh, lined up for the for the uh, for, for the Austin Herd against the uh, the Austin ah, Blacks. And here we go. Okay, so in two weeks they play. Uh, this is okay. So on the 25th, there's a really cool event, uh, going on at Burfield. I think it's like six games and the herd will play the Colorado Raptors, uh, as the, I guess the, the penultimate fixture of the day, uh, after the blacks play their game and, uh, university of Texas is hosting a game at Burfield as well. So that's when they're, they'll play an MLR fixture. And then to open uh, Round Rock MPC up. The herd will finish with the Blacks on the 31st of January. So got those schedules. I need to just put like post-its on my wall. Um, behind. Well, you see, that would be the easiest thing to do. But, <laughs> but um, so, so that sort of gives you an idea of what the preseason looks like. But again, I think there will be at least five teams playing a preseason fixture next week. So, uh, so some so of these let, will be a watchable and some of these may not. I don't know. So l- l- let me ask you guys both this question. What do you think is the optimal amount of preseason games for an MLR team to play before week one? So that so take into account, you know, wear and tear on their bodies because we saw in season one, the Houston Sabercats played like a 10-game se- game, uh, preseason and that their success in that particular season didn't exactly transfer to the regular. Uh, of course, had they only won, I think, yeah, one game all, all of MLR season one. And much of that people attributed to the fact that these players were just worn out and tired by that point, whereas every other team was starting off fresh. So, so, so yeah. So, what do you think is the best amount well, of preseason games? Well, for the Saber Cats were worn out and tired because they played double the amount of games in their preseason than they played during their season. So, I mean, like you gotta, you, I mean, they played, played 24 games. Yeah. It, it worked from a marketing standpoint. Oh, I know. Well, sometimes you gotta do these exercises for various reasons, right? Um, just pre- preseason games are not just for the coaches. Just going to tell you mm-hmm. right now, they're not just for the coaches and the players. They're for everyone because game day staff gotta have their gotta have their systems and their processes in. Very in true to to do these things. Uh, I would say three, and with that, I would segment this into uh, the first week. You would play a non MLR team. And then the next two fixtures would be against other MLR teams. So you, you see this happen uh, with super rugby teams. You see this happens with the Prem. Uh, they'll play some type of invitational side to knock off the rust. And then they'll play, so, pull, they'll play a preseason fixture against, you know, their own competition team. So that would be what I would do. If, I think three is enough. Well, I mean, that sounds reasonable. I, to me, I'm not sure there is one answer that applies to every team. I think what's optimal probably varies a little bit depending on how long you've played together, what, you know, there are new people at key positions or 
you know, are the key decision makers returning? How much experience do they have together already? Yeah, I would say, you know, less than five. I, I feel like in, in no case we want to be doing more than five. Uh, is my sense of it. But, uh, you know, I could see anywhere from, you know, pretty much from two to five, depending on where your team is, at, you know, as you're getting ready to, to look at the first regular season game. If you're expanding, you know, you may want more than three. Um, but, you know, if you're Seattle, or that's maybe not even the best example, but if you're a team that's had the same coach for three years and the same fly half, you know, two maybe enough. So, I mean, so just to, just to quickly answer my own question, I kind of agree with Greg. Um, so, um, Greg. Three to, Greg. So, so, sorry, Craig. Craig. Greg. Sorry, man. It's just <laughs> – hey, man. <laughs> and Anyway – I kind of I, I I kind of agree with Craig here. Three to five games is definitely the most optimal, um, you know, amount of games. But it's also you have to consider how many people you have available who aren't just going to be on your MLR Week One roster. What's the depth of your academy system? Um, I, I think as MLR academies start to grow, maybe having maybe having five preseason fixtures will be a lot more doable because a lot of these people aren't going to exactly be appearing uh, on a, a, the MLR roster regularly. So it's more about just getting them experience, kind of like what. What what uh what Nola and Rugby ATL did today? There, there's some guys who you probably won't be seeing as as regular staples with their game day rosters, but definitely were able to get in front of Coach Osborne and Coach Lawrence today uh, and show off their stuff. So I think going forward and the deeper academy systems get, the more we might be able to see some preseason action. And you know, like you know, we, we can see that preseason action you know later and later uh, or earlier and earlier in the preseason as well. So we we do have a question from Jeff Carver. Um, he is a Drew Brees fan, apparently. Um, do you think Vegas will have a team? And I go, um, I maybe. Think there you Jeff. Welcome to the show. <laughs> I don't know. There, there was, there was a bid. We do know for a fact that there was a bid, and as far as I know, that bid was either shelved or did not pass the vote for some reasons. I did talk with the people who were behind that bid or at least one of the guys. And we, we, I think, I don't know. No, we didn't talk about it on the show, but if they had the money and everything, all the, all the P's and Q's and I's dotted behind what the concept was at least told to me, it would have been something you could not uh, say no to. So they may come back if they have the financing. Cause I think, they they are close, but I, I don't think that they were ready, especially with what they were going to do, um, because it gets hot in Vegas, and what they were going to do was was going to be nice. Um, so, but I, can, I won't really share anymore on that one. Um, yeah. it, it, it can happen. Vegas is getting sports mad, man. Uh, they've they they got the Golden Knights rights, uh, or yeah, the the Golden Knights and the Raiders. They, they're the Raiders and they're hosting a bunch of stuff. So lost sevens tragedy. <laughs> I mean, I think, you know, Jeff, if you mean, are they going to have a team next year? I think the cards are looking against that. I mean, they're going to have a team ever. It's definitely a city on the radar for potential expansion. So mm-hmm. I would say sit tight. It's not going to be 2021. I don't think, um, but you know, you, you may see it sooner rather than later in the grand scheme of things. Mm-hmm. Um, from what I understand right now, there's a few cities that are kind of at the top of the docket for getting expansion franchises. Uh, obviously, uh, Vancouver 
Chicago, Miami, um, and obviously the, the, uh, there's been talk about uh, putting a putting a franchise back in back into Ohio after the rousing success of the Ohio Aviators back in PRO. Yeah. Um, and honestly, I think a, a large part of this, a uh, large part of the answer to this question is how nostalgia well- your nostalgia for pro. <laughs> Yeah, you know, exactly. we all are for the Ohio Aviators playing in that park. I, Although, I miss Doug, man. I I, I just want Dougie back. <laughs> teach uh, me right. how to Dougie, by uh, by which I mean, you know, teach me how to not pay anybody and get away with it. Anyway, <laughs> uh, it's really going to depend on the success of the MLR weekend. Uh, so the New England Free Jacks, uh, Rugby United New York, the Utah Warriors, and one more team. Aaron, help me out. Um. There, okay, so the first weekend is there's four there's so it, it's there's so four the, games, so dude. The, so first, the first weekend is Rooney versus the Free Jacks. Yeah, I know. So that. Then, then the next weekend there's four games. So it's everyone, uh, but uh, I think Seattle has a home game that weekend, and it's in. Yeah, I think Seattle's playing at home against Tor- not Toronto against somebody else, but the Vegas weekend is four games. You have a doubleheader on Saturday and a doubleheader on Sunday. So check yep. it, check it and out, man. So straight up. So either way, and, and either way, whatever team, whatever teams are going to be coming, uh, the, the league is going to be looking at attendance. It's going to be looking at social media activity. It's going to be looking at things like traffic control around around the stadium. It's going to be looking at all the aspects and whether Vegas is going to be economically viable at this stage. The league now. Now that Killebrew is is the is is the commissioner, I think it's a lot more likely. I think he's somebody who's going to want to expand into larger markets. Where I think uh, Dean House was, you know, taking well, the slow and steady approach. I think the so I mean, I, there is some some thing to say about who the the, the old boss. I think his uh, as they as most say, most have said. I, I I don't think he really had a a slow and steady approach. I think it was just. It was a, a, a seasoned approach from the MLS where they just needed to survive a lot of hurdles. And in a lot of ways, the MLR has to still survive a lot of hurdles. And if if someone brings a lot of money and is able to be stable, they're going to get whatever market they're going to get. And if, if someone has $100 million and says, hey, I'm going to build something in Bozeman, Conference. Montana. In Bozeman. No, no, let's go to... The Northern Territory, somewhere in, in, in Canada. Barrow, Alaska. Barrow, Alaska. If the money's right, a team is going to go there. It, that's that's all that matters. Like everyone's wor- wants heat certain markets. Well, this is what I have learned. You're going to get pro professional teams where the the owners and prospective owners want them, and that's that's about it. Like there's, we can we can say, hey, bring it to Chicago. Hey, bring it to Ohio. Hey, bring it to you know Kansas City or Wichita. Um, yes, MLR to Bozeman. We are going to yep. Bozeman. This is our new obsession for, for this season. <laughs> MLR to Bozeman every single week without without <laughs> fail until there's an MLR team in Bozeman, Montana. I baby. I know, but yeah, you know, expansion is. There are two expansion teams that are on the docket, at least per that. That uh, press conference from Commissioner Kilbrew and also from Tim Falcon is like it's LA and Dallas. Uh, as far as I know, as far as we all know, Dallas has been a member since season one. They just they've had voting rights since season one. That's yeah, for like since season one. Like they just haven't been able to get the or they haven't been able to get the things that they wanted to do in place. And we're starting to see some things. If anyone noticed uh, the 
Oh, that that passed this week. Eleven to four, the Reverchon Park uh, renovation initiative. Guess what? It actually is a great deal for the city. If mm-hmm. like, there's a lot of hurdles that they still have to do to like start construction. However, did about- you did did you see the um the the the, the drawing like the initial drawing of what it's supposed to look yeah, like? Yeah, it, it's a baseball stadium, but it has a ninety degree. It's it's a ninety degree line rather than like weird the, like yeah kind of yeah, like, yeah so like, like Sugarland so was and fit the the corner of the pitch pretty close in so that your lines aren't awful so that's okay that that's okay it's it's not but, the but best still, there, there's still no midfield seating though there's still but you can there, there's those, still no far side seating you can put the far I guess player sides the technical zone side seating over there with these kind of lines it's just going to be limited but did you did you watch the Atlanta game today did I you, did did you see where those seats were yeah all across the the the, the end of the ingles which yeah you know, that's, so, so there, there, there was a midfield seating section um and I, I'm not exactly sure like where the camera was mounted I'm not sure if there there's a seating section the at that mid- the, it was in the woods oh really just <laughs> they're just up in a tree. I mean, guerrilla <laughs> style filming a rugby game, <laughs> but but um, yeah, it, it it it's not the worst, and I think it's it's probably more of a marketing thing that you can sink if you sink a bunch of money into Dallas. To, it's their proposal is ten million dollars. The city still owns the park. Uh, it, the park still like has access to uh, citizens of Dallas. So I think for a short term, if you play there for three to four years. Um, and you build your fan base that allows you to then move to an outer suburb in a more purpose-built facility. I think it's I, I think it's partially a marketing exercise, and it's kind of smart, um, to be honest. I I know he's not officially involved, but I feel like rugby, you know, acknowledged rugby fan Mark Cuban, rugby in Dallas. Something good's gonna happen out there. The, the the dots are connecting, and the uh, that the head of the Dallas bid, or I shouldn't even say bid, like the Dallas franchise now, uh, was a uh, was a former, uh, what was or currently is a, an exec with the Dallas Mavericks yes. right now. He so he, Don, he, so, he so Donnie Donnie Nelson is the president of basketball operations for the Mavericks, but he also, if you go look up uh, Nextel Sports Group. It is a it is a sports group. It is a sports company that owns multiple minor league franchises. He, they own the G League affiliate of the Mavericks. They own multiple baseball teams. Multiple like uh, they own a US, I think it's a USL Division Two team. They own some soccer teams. So it's they when it comes to sports, they they've been around a little bit. Um, it, it'll be all right. But. Collect the sports franchise and pass go. Yeah. So, uh, but um, now to to move into just so we can get faster here, the the Macos. Uh, so they released their roster, and I did. Uh, I'm just gonna go through the research I did on these guys. I'm pretty sure that uh, the average age of this roster, and someone said it's more like a future squad, and I guess you would call that. I think the average age is like 21. Um, Sam Lane, as far as a rugby player, I didn't find anything on him. I think he might be this, uh, what I, I think he plays for the black sticks, which is the New Zealand national hockey, national field hockey team. Um, Sam Matanga, 
Uh, he came off the bench for the Mockos a few times. He's tie head prop. Um, he was a Hurricanes under 18. Kershaw Sykes Martin, he's a loose head prop, young guy, uh, been in the Mockos system a little bit. Uh, didn't see any Miter 10 team sheets with his name on it this season, but he was in the spring 2019 NZU 20s trials camp, so that's cool. Uh, Matt Graham Williams, he's another prop. He was an NZ school selection in 2018 and went to the uh, under 20s trials camp this last spring as well. And the Max Frain is a hooker. He's been in the Tasman system. He's pretty young. Uh, Quinn Harrison Jones, another prop. He was in the Taz Tasman high performance squad in, in spring 2019. So I think that the high performance squad that plays during the summer before the Miter 10 is like the C team. I, I'm not really sure. Someone can correct me there. And then uh, Antonio Shalfoon. Uh, he's a flanker. He has played for Waikato. His Waikato number is 1202. The guy, there are some guys I don't know their Mako's numbers. I think, um, and then we got Hopoate Taufa. He's a lock. He plays for the Blenheim Scott Construction Harlequins, uh, in the, in the Tasman Provincial like club club game. Tim Sale, he's a lock. He was in the Tasman High Performance Squad uh, in 2019 and plays for Renwick Rugby. Braden Stewart, he's a flanco, flanker. Uh, plays he's a, he's the, a flanco? Flanco. He's so a mako, the, so flanco the thing, over the Makos. So the thing that I found on Braden Stewart was um, the one thing that pops up on him a lot is he was uh, he was assaulted like six months before, and then he assaulted the guy back. Yeah, I, I'm not trying to bring that up. It's the only thing that sounds as America as fuck, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> that was the most. That was the, that was most of the hits on Google when you look him up. Uh, he played for the Makos 16, 17, 18. Wasn't the high performance squad this year, but he had no caps in 19. But he had a bunch with Tasman B. Uh, Jacob Norris, he's a flanker, played for the Makos uh, this year and last year. Isaiah Miller. Number eight, Mako type performance squad, Louis Chapman. He's a scrum half, played for New Zealand Barbarian Schools in 2018. Uh, Mitchell Berry, fly half. Uh, he plays for University of Canterbury. He's been in the Junior Knight Development Squad since in 2018. Campbell Parada, he, he's a fly half. Uh, Australia Barbarian Schools uh, in 2018, and then was plucked and signed by the Crusaders and put in their academy. Uh, so... <laughs> I think apparently he was a sensation in Australia and people were mad that uh, the, the Crusaders grabbed him. Sam Briggs, he's a center, played for Marist in 2019. Uh, he, this guy can't be over 19 or 20 years old. Uh, Tane Robinson, fly half, uh, played for Marist in 2018. Tasman under 18s and under 19s. Nick Foxley, he's a center. He plays for Nelson RFC. He's been in Tasman High Performance Squad and played for Tasman B. Rahiri White. Witahira, this one's interesting. He's a center, but he's played a lot of rugby league. Uh, Auckland Rugby League under 20 and also County's Manukau. Uh, plays club uh, rugby in the Tasman area. And then Saul Lewis is a fullback wing. He was in the Crusaders Academy. Uh, Caleb Coventry is a fullback wing in the Tasman High Performance Squad in 2018. Michael Stringer is a fullback Tasman High Performance Squad in, in 2019. So I keep saying Tasman High Performance Squad in the spring of every year after the towards the end of the Super Rugby season, the the Mitre 10 unions that play in the National Provincial 
oh, I guess national provincial championship called the Mitre 10 Cup, all name a high-performance squad that then plays in form of rugby in the summer before they play in the Mitre 10 Cup. Um, John Lommers, I think he's like 20. He played for Waimea School, combined schools. Uh, Jamie Spout, he's a wing, played for Tasman Makos this last year, was a New Zealand under-20s in 2018, New Zealand school selection in, in 2016. Connor Higgins played for Tasman B and Tasman Griffins, which is like Griffins, I think, is like their in their echelon is like their D team. Um, so what's uh, so overall, like six guys with Mitre 10 experience. So it's really, we're going to see the depth of New Zealand rugby versus where MLR is right now. So I'd also like to put in there for anybody listening, watching who isn't completely familiar with the uh, world of, uh, you know, the greater world of global rugby. Mitre 10 is a, is a league. um, Like, so in this case, we're talking about between Australia and New Zealand. Mitre 10 is a league that is below the top grade uh, professional union. And in rug, in online rugby circles, Mitre 10 has been, the most closely compared with the talent level and competition level in major league rugby. So uh, the Tasman, the Tasman, uh, Mako, Mako, Flanco, whatever you want to call them. Uh, they, they just recently won the championship uh, for, for, for the Mitre 10. They, they, and, they yeah. the Mitre 10. And so we are not again. So c- kind of like, as Aaron explained, this is a, uh, like a future squad. The average age is only about 20, 21 years old. We are not, they are not going to be facing the team that won the Mitre 10 Cup because despite the fact that MLR has been compared to this league in just about every sense that it can be, it's very unlikely that uh, that, that an MLR team would fare well against their uh, against their squad at full strength. So this is a really good opportunity to see how MLR stacks up against mainly um, for. Uh, fo- foreign coaching and and foreign uh, and foreign schemes, I, I guess you could say, also against uh, people who you know like uh, people who have been living in a culture that's just obsessed with rugby. And, and like like I mentioned, a bunch of these guys have been at New Zealand under twenties recently, so some of these guys will be all blacks at some point. Um, uh, some a bunch of these guys will be next week. Uh, that's that's the the rub here. This team we're discussing is going to have a scrimmage against Houston. Yeah, so they so they will play Houston, and then the the, the then the they 20, will travel to Seattle. The twenty fifth, they will then play uh, Seattle, and it's a big deal. Uh, we will see the progress that we have made versus um, a team of guys that are trying to get professional contracts. Will have professional contracts, but aren't going to be playing in a super for a super rugby franchise because we're about to start the super rugby season as well. And it, it will just be an interesting uh, place to see if we perform well. We're, we're perform if the if Houston and Seattle perform well and possibly hopefully win both franchise both games since we know how young this roster is, but they're experienced. All of these guys have been playing since they were like four. Um, it, the, the key is to perform well. And then we have an idea of where we're at. If we win both games, like by a lot, uh, then we really, at least two teams know where they're at, uh, versus, um, you know, guys who are probably going to be all blacks at some point. Yep. So no, definitely go, definitely is going to be a great test, uh, for the Houston Sabercats to see where they're at. Um, especially given the fact that they went through a coaching change. Um, so it's going to be, it's also going to be great for, a, uh, for a minor 10 team to come and be introduced to American rugby at a place like a Viva stadium, which 
you know, e- even since I left Houston is even more beautiful uh, than when it first opened. And obviously the, uh, the field is a lot better quality than the inaugural match uh, against the Seattle Seawolves last season. But yeah, great. That's a great place for, you know, for us to bring some, to, to, for us to bring some proper guests into the league, I guess you could say. Yeah. So, and of course, um, Starfire, which is just going yeah. to be great, you know, as always. Nothing, no, nothing, Craig. We we just, expl- I think we over-explained what this yeah. roster was. <laughs> I think we, over- yes. I think we over-explained what this roster was. Uh, I'm looking forward. Hey, yeah, hey, look, hey, look, hey, I'm looking forward to seeing the the scrimmages. We'll see. We'll see how we match up. I'm hope. I I really. I don't know, but I would really like. I would really like next week's game to be streamed some kind. I, I wish every game was streamed. Like let, yes. let's just put it that I, I never don't want a game or an MLR game to be streamed. Speaking of today's stream on Facebook just for rugby ATL, that was a success. They had four hundred they had five hundred people watching. Yeah, it popped out over five hundred and was consistently around four fifty, four sixty the like, entire game. Like that was I mean, that was good. Like good for yeah. that. Especially um, considering there was a, there, there was a playoff game for football going on uh, where the Texans you know went up twenty four nothing and the bottom fell out. The people must have stopped watching that game after the first quarter and tuned into Rugby Bank. Woo! It's it's you know it's gonna be interesting. Uh, we'll see. Uh, but moving on to I guess the, the drama. Um, uh, this week, USA Rugby is sources our source because uh, I've asked around for between six, between four and six total personnel were let go from USA Rugby. I think that's like either eight or twelve. Between eight and twelve people since the sort of letter went out have been let go from from USA Rugby. Um, a, a letter dated thirty one uh, December. Uh, in response to the 18 December letter from USA Rugby Board to uh, the public, um, was uh, nine of the 14 geographic unions met, and they appointed uh, two personnel to sit on the what is the task force and advisory panel. Uh, they are uh, Matt Robinette uh, from Capital Rugby Union, who is president of Capital Rugby Union, and Kirk Date, who is the president of the Texas Rugby Union to represent these nine senior geographic unions uh, in that task force. Um, so far, uh, there there really isn't a lot to update. I think that is uh, these ge- these senior because there was supposed to be a club representation on both task force and advisory panel, and I think this is these. Uh, geographic unions uh, taking hold of the process and saying, um, well, you're not going to dictate who is going to be the club representative on these panels. We are going to appoint our own since we are elected from our unions. So I think that's, I think that's an important step. Also rugby Indiana sent a letter to USA rugby uh, telling them what they want to see. Uh, Enscro is preparing to reshape their entire registration process uh, so that they can protect their protect themselves. Uh, and Enscro is the National Small College Rugby Organization. I think Enscro governs roughly fifty percent of collegiate rugby. Um, so that's kind of to give you an idea of how many clubs and National Small College Rugby Organization presents. Um, 
yeah, it's a, it's going to be a rough time for the the national governing body. And and we have talked about it uh, on one of our previous episodes about our concerns. And, you know, I still have those concerns because, well, we're, it looks like we're just cutting, cutting muscle because at some point there will be no institutional memory in the NGB because a lot of these people were, that also got fired were also new. Like they had replaced other people. Um, I wouldn't say fired, let go. They weren't let go. One of those people, as uh, reported by Golf Rugby Report and as confirmed on his own Facebook page, uh, is Kurt Weaver, who was the vice president of rugby operations. And it was really weird to see him let go because, like, a day before, there was a press release talking about regional cup tournaments for youth rugby. And it quoted him as the VP of rugby ops uh, in there, like, with some quotes from him. And then the next day or two days later, he was. He confirmed that he left the organization. He was just leaving the organization because there's downsizing going on. Um, so yeah, kind of nuts. Um, when but, we're uh, when we're actually in an overall good place in American rugby competitively, definitely. But you know, it it, it, it it's important to distinguish though that there's this, you know. Despite the fact that that MLR is a sanctioned league, you know it's sanctioned by USA Rugby and therefore sanctioned by World Rugby. The the, the offices are not the same. Oh so, no, no, no! Yeah. Like so, if, yeah, if you're so as Liam is going to say, if you're thinking that MLR and USA Rugby are like the same, they are not. No. They are not. One is a private, we are not the same. We are a Martian. <laughs> one is a private competition run by the people who own teams in the league. And sanctioning is all about um, laws that the federal government has given uh, the USOPC and national governing bodies. And like being sanctioned means that we have agreed to some type of terms with the NGB um, and standards. And that's it. That's all it means. And it allows yeah. us to use refs and all that stuff. Yes. Yeah, so and I, I think to Liam's point, you uh, you observe that we're in a good place competitively. But I mean, how, how much of that good place competitively is due to MLR, a private, only loosely affiliated organization rather than anything good that USA Rugby has done to make us competitive. So, yeah, I think we're in a good place competitively, but I'm not sure. It's hard to see where USA Rugby is as an organization is contributing to that. seems like it's coming more from MLR, and I think with the mismanaged finances and governance in uh, – USA Rugby, you know, I think this was bound to happen. And uh, also, sure, there are people. It, it's totally possible that we can build upon this good fortune too. Uh, once MLR teams have, like I said earlier, once we have deeper academies, we have more, uh, you know, and not just, you know, U20, U17, U16s, but I'm talking like, you know, U12, U9s and stuff like that. We can essentially start to, I don't want to say replace because there's always going to be room for, you know, you for USA rugby clubs and smaller uh, regional organizations and stuff like that. But MLR can, can, can well, potentially in the future M- start to M- support a, a larger developmental MLR will be the, the, what feeds the, the national team. It will be what drives the success, but it's not that like the NGB operates in a space. They have to operate in the space. MLR operates in its own space. It is a more support. It is a support role in this. That's it. Like MLR is a private competition that is here to promote professional rugby. And well, um, if, uh, if the NGB doesn't have its shit together, um, well, at least 
the private competition does. And that means if things go, go south even further with USA Rugby, at least we won't completely fall off the face of the math map in, in men's rugby. Like that's really what's the, the difference is. Yay. Private industry. Yay. Capitalism. So, yeah. Um, so that, so that, that's kind of that. I think we, there wasn't really anything else. Oh, um, should announce it because we did sort of make it happen. Um, Colleen McCloskey is going to join our team as a photographer and correspondent covering Old Glory Games. So um, thank you, Colleen, for um, offering to shoot Old Glory Games. Um, we're more than happy to have you uh, if you are on the East Coast and you've seen rugby photos. She's probably taken them. And I mean all of them because she get she goes to a lot of rugby events and she's a great sports photographer. So if you also happen to need your game shot, um, find her and she will, uh, you know, talk to you and maybe you can have a deal cut. Um, but she's joining us to cover all glory games and that's pretty awesome. So, but make make um, sure you tell her that you heard her name on Earful of Dirt. <laughs> so I, I think that's it, guys. Uh, we should have a lot of rugby to talk about next week. Um, I think we're not going to see any more signings, hopefully. Because, <laughs> uh, you know. But, well, uh, 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 unless it breaks, it's just like, Sonny Bill has told the Wolf Pack to go pound sand. You heard it right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So... Uh, so like Nigel Ray's like, I didn't do it. We didn't do anything wrong. We didn't do anything wrong. Like we're under the cap. We're good to go. And then he's, then he goes, I am resigning as chairman of the Saracens rugby Saracens FC because the Saracens football club. Um, <laughs> and, uh, as CEO, um, resigning as CEO definitely made sense. Um, well, whether he resigned as chairman or not really doesn't matter because he's still the majority owner. Um, so he could fire this independent chairman that he appoints, but the guy he appoints as the new CEO goes, yeah, um, we're probably going to need to send players away because just, just thinking out loud. And then all of a sudden, Hey, Liam Williams is leaving Saracens, not next year, but no. By the by the end of the Six Nations, he will be playing for the Scarlets. And they're they're talking about all, like George Cruis was the latest name to come out. They were saying he was linked to the top league. Like, wow, he's just getting a payday right now and going. Um, so so that was not the fantasy team. That would be devastating. Um, yeah, so my, my fantasy team somehow I, I don't know what happened there. Virini Vakatawa was available, and I let someone else in the league grab him and because of that i lost my 20 points today man if you didn't see the rossing 92 monster game woo, 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 man rossing 92 they're good i have the second highest score in the league and i lost typical <laughs> <laughs> Dude, so I'm, I'm so done with fantasy talk at this point <laughs> Oh, I, yeah. I, I, I had I had my heart and soul crushed. So how 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 bad was fantasy rugby when we had to do it for twenty two weeks? Were you talking about the uh, the FRD Premiership last year? Yeah, last year. Yeah, I mean, the thing with the Premiership is unlike football fantasy, the same players don't play every week. 
week. Like just five starters randomly are different week to week. So like, oh, I need to go find three new outside backs this week of like three dudes I never heard of that are. That's pretty much yeah. That's pretty much been like last year. I just couldn't figure it out and I was helpless. This year we just did Champions Cup and. Yeah, it's like half your roster isn't starting this week, so you have to go find eight guys like that. That, that I think cups much better though. Next year we can get on uh, Liam's fantasy podcast with uh, a fantasy champions league uh, <laughs> chat. Yeah. Also, so. I'm still I'm still waiting for MLR fantasy uh, right now. We, we we might we might have to get the uh, the, the, man, the manual scoring sh- uh, sheet going again. I think we're a couple seasons away. I, I we. We're we're getting. I know that. I know for a fact we're getting better with stats. I think our stat our our analysis is going to be more fast this year. But I don't think it's going to be as fast as some people desire. It, I don't know. From what I understand, because I was when I was in Australia, it was interesting because they would send the force would not get their stats for twenty four hours because they would their their film would be transmitted to this analytics company because everyone uses the same analytics company apparently and it's in South Africa and then they wouldn't get the, the stuff until twenty four hours later. I thought that was interesting. It's like okay, Western Force. Oh, XFL. I, I wanted to tweet about this, but I just got. I just got so much t- weird time. So they're changing the scoring. It's like instead of – so in, in rapid rugby, you get a super try if you score from – if you start from inside your own 20-meter line. Well, guess what? Nine points on a touchdown? we got rapid football now. Yeah. No, so so <laughs> so for people who aren't aware of this, uh, the XFL, they're going to have one, two, and three-point tries after a touchdown. So the one-point try, yeah – I did so, not get that one. Yeah. Whoa. So, so, so the one point try, um, so there's, there's no, there's no, um, extra point kick. So it's, it's, it's all like normal football plays. Uh, the one point try is from the two yard line. Okay. The, the, the two point conversion is from the five yard line. And then the three point conversion is from the 10 yard line. It's basically a fourth and goal, you know, so <laughs> it's rapid football. That's what we're getting here. Okay. So, um, took up way too much of everyone's time. Um, we will be, I think we're going to skip the Super Bowl weekend and then we'll be, we'll figure it out and we'll probably be back on Mondays. Um, after that, but for January, we're going to be live on Sundays, somewhat uh, like seven, seven thirty, depending on which major football game is on. So, uh, if you're watching the Packers or the Seahawks while watching this, um, we're leaving right now. Thank you. Bye. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then... Get out there and enjoy some rugby.